0: words on water
1: words on water welcome to words on water and take it from the top a podcast series that offers words of wisdom from WEF past presidents and other notable leaders to help you navigate your way through the challenges of today. I'm Tom Kunitz, your host, and my guest today is WEF past president, Rebecca West. Welcome, Rebecca.
0: Hi, Tom. Thanks so much for um, having me here today, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation.
1: I'll tell you, Rebecca, it is always such a joy to chat with you. And because you always have such interesting stories to tell. Uh, I, remember, I remember a bunch of them. In fact, uh, one of them I want to talk to you about. I remember you once said to me, uh, we were talking about your experiences in your career, how you worked and worked to get to a certain high-level leadership position in your firm, and it just wouldn't happen. And I remember you said, you know, maybe those doors are being closed to me for a reason. Maybe I am better off not being there but doing something else. So instead of getting mad, I focused on finding a way to really show the world who I am. And Rebecca, you certainly have done that, certainly have shown the world who you are. So today I want to talk about hardships, facing hardships, getting through tough times. You are a person who has struggled, you've persevered, and you have succeeded. So let's start with this. What motivates you?
0: Well, well, Tom, um, you know, when I think about my times of struggle, I found that um, what really motivates me during those times is having an opportunity to focus on other people and uh, finding ways to kind of giving back. You know, I found that if you, if you actually get out of your struggle and look at ways that you can help or support somebody, it really changes that, um, that dynamic, that frustration. And one example that comes to mind um, is some of the work I've done with Telio's ministry. And I've been very fortunate to have the opportunity to be able to not only help people in my career and here in the United States, but also to help others in other parts of the world that struggle with the challenges of uh, clean water and sanitation. And um, and so uh, a couple of examples that, um, that I could share, especially, is um, some of the work I did in Romania, where we had the opportunity to install a sewer system um, at a Christian camp and then some of the um, orphanages in uh, Tanzania and Kenya where we had a chance to install drinking water systems. I find that when I kind of find ways to focus on the struggles that people face every day for clean water and sanitation, it really changes my mind, changes my focus and um, moves me beyond that.
1: Well, that's you talk about focusing on other people. You, you really go to the extreme there to focus on other people. I mean, you go to another continent uh, to be able to do that. Now, so that makes me think, my goodness, here you are focusing on other people, but there still must be challenges involved in that. Like the cultural differences. You're working, we're working with local people. Did you have challenges, like with cultural differences? Absolutely, every day. Sometimes
0: I just have challenges here in the United States. (laughs) Um, so, uh, So, but I especially find just as many people do, if you go to another culture, you're totally out of your element. And then if you struggle with, uh, language barriers and differences you have to find a way around that but you know one example and one story i, I think back on is the is the project we did in romania and um, we were having to install a sewer system on a very in a sh- very short window of time basically a week and a half and this was in a remote area in the carpathian mountains and much like um, uh, most situations you find yourself in, uh, on this project, we were working with a group of men, local um, men in the community to help us with this project. So, you know, so I show up with our, our team of, um, of four or five people. Of, of the four or five people we had, there were two of us that were um, water uh, experts, so to speak. And, uh, and I was leading this team of, um, that we brought from the United States, but more importantly, this team of men that were there local. Well, the fact that, you know, this female was going to come and tell them what they needed to do, that was just (laughs) that was a challenge in and of itself. But the one thing I appreciated about that is that I learned that I had to find a way to really connect to them or to either persuade them that they had to help us because, again, we were on a short timeline. The interesting thing about this project is, is that there were several women um, that were also working at the camp. Some of the women were wives of the men that were working there or good friends. And the women at the camp were surprised that these um, American women were working so hard. We were digging trenches, we were installing a sewer system. Mm -hmm. And so we started chatting with the women there and found that we could use their persuasion, power persuasion to influence the men Ah. um, and kind of not just whip them into shape, but say, you know, you need to go out there and help them. And you need to listen to this woman who is telling you what to do. So we used uh, that relationship to help us um, not only move the project forward, but the neat thing that really happened um, in working through those differences is when well, we learn how to communicate in ways, you know, drawing pictures, hand signals, everything else. But, um, but learning uh, how to build that trust with the people you were working with. And, and we respected um, everybody that was there helping us. You know, it just weren't. It just wasn't. We're the experts. We're going to tell you what to do. We came in saying, "Here, we're all working on this together. So, how do we uh, learn to work between each other?" And um, it did help having the women with their power of persuasion too, to uh, influence the men to help us with the project. So that was really that was really fun.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty uh, cool. How? Uh, yeah, you found a way to because you're down there working in the trenches, and and and, and their culture. the women were like, "My goodness, what's this is woman doing with gloves and boots on?" So, um, did did you? It sounds like maybe you learned a few things there yourself. I, I mean, hopefully, you know you you left something for them, and and maybe you learned you learned something and took something back with you.
0: Absolutely, and and this has been the case with um, with every project um, I've been involved with with Telios, but also you know it's the case in everyday life. I mean, I think when we learn to open ourselves up to um, to try to understand someone to work between the differences we have with each other. Um, We learn from each other and especially with the projects we've been involved with. Um, Yes, we may have been the experts on water and sewer, but um, we learned so much from um, the local people that we worked with. And our hope was, is that they learned from us as well. And more importantly, that we left them not only with, you know, improved sanitation or, uh, better uh, access to water, but we built some capacity so that they could, could take the skills they've learned, the experiences they had, and find ways of improving themselves. And again, I think that um, that if you can you know, have that as a result of your project, where you walk away and say, I've learned and you've learned, and we're all better for it, um, certainly you move beyond the struggles, but you realize how you can um, truly help each other. And I think that's the key for people working together in any culture.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. You set out there, as you said, to focus on somebody else. And in, as a result, you end up having a, a gift coming back to you. And, and I can speak to this firsthand. I have to say here, I did a little bit of in-country humanitarian work myself. Uh, and I did some work in the jungles of Panama. And I know, like you were talking about, how it is very rewarding to uh, help others. So I have to ask you this question because I got this question uh, when folks found out I was doing work in Panama. And the question is, uh, hey, why are you spending resources in these foreign countries? We have a lot of needs right here in the US. And you know what? These people don't care about us anyway. Why are you wasting time there? Do you ever get that question? I, I do, and um, it's interesting. I
0: actually uh, had that question from some family members, which surprised me a little bit. But, um, you know, Tom, I believe every day when we wake up, we are given opportunities um, for a reason. They, they, they come our way. And, um, and I look at the world that way. So when I've had the opportunity to help somebody, whether it's in the United States or in another country, I believe that you know God's put that opportunity in front of me for a reason. And so I try to really focus, you know, what can I do? What am I to learn from this? Um, and, and the other thing that really touches my heart is that we're so blessed here in the United States. We have many ways of, of helping people. We have systems that work for the most part, um, and um, but in other parts of the world, their lives are so controlled by things that are outside of their control. You know, we could say our life is hard, we work hard, but in comparison to people in some other countries and other situations, we have a lot of control over what happens to us. And we have opportunities that others don't have. So I see that when, uh, when opportunity knocks for me to go help somebody that has not been as blessed, then
1: I think that's time for us to move to action. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit here, uh, Rebecca, and talk about your time at WEF, at the helm of WEF. You were president of WEF 2008 to 2009. You think about that in our history, what was going on in the country 2008, 2009, the crisis that we were facing there, the economic crisis, sounds very familiar to what's going on today.
0: Yeah, it was, you know, it's it's interesting when you have the opportunity to um, serve as a leader for WEF, especially as an officer, it's it's a multi-year commitment. And so uh, by the time I had reached the opportunity to be president, you know, the recession hit and I'm like, oh, wow, what are we going to do? Um, it, fortunately, we didn't have to make the tough decisions of whether to host WEF tech or not, but it was, it was still certainly um, a, a big impact to us. I mean, at that time, Uh, for example, in in my part of the country, we saw 13% unemployment, you know, we had gone from a thriving economy to the breaks completely um, coming into play. And um, again, it was very similar, you know, to what we've seen with COVID in terms of people losing their jobs and just everything changing abruptly. Um, I think that again, like we learned from the recession, um, COVID will last, it's not going to go away soon, although, you know, we'll have a vaccine and we'll have ways of uh, finding ways of getting, uh, uh, hanging around our friends again and our family, but it makes us think about what the next iteration of um, virus will be. But I think sometimes much like the recession and even with COVID, they are great opportunities to as a wake-up call. You know, we learned so much after re- the recession of 2008, especially with WEF, in terms of how we need to think about um, supporting um, our members, but also how do we look at the financial um, strength of WEF moving forward. It was important that we withstand, you know, such an abrupt change in our economy, um, much like um, COVID has forced us to change things in, in terms of how we deliver our um, our training and how we have opportunities of, of um, building capacity in our members. Um, we also learned uh, how to make WEF stronger financially and then how to support our member associations financially as well. And, um, and then we looked at how we can help our members uh, leverage the opportunity of enforcing um, infrastructure funding. We came out and supported many creative ways of doing that. And then, um, you know, I think that's the, the, the big focus on energy as, a, as another resource of, and byproduct of our, our treatment process was a part of that. Um, it was neat. Uh, I think one of the neatest things that happened uh, during my year as president was that um, South Korea was looking for opportunities of enhancing their economic opportunities uh, past post-recession. And so um, the neat thing about South Korea is, um, whether you know this or not, they are very focused on a watershed approach to managing their water, which is really cool. I mean, I I just uh, was very fascinated by their thinking and and their progressive uh, thought processes of how to do that. During a during that time as well, they were focused on green energy, and Wef was invited to um, participate in the green energy forum. And uh, their prime minister at the time and um, president focused on um, energy as being that way to change uh, and and change the economy, but also prepare them for the future. Uh, That was also the time that Wef forged initiated its relationship with South Korea, and that's been great for us. Um, and moving forward in what we can do uh, to better ourselves and to better serve our members.
1: So Yeah, so it's uh, interesting you bring up South Korea because coincidentally, my uh, term as president was exactly 10 years after you, 2018 and 19. So um, yes, I had a chance to to meet and got to be good friends and colleagues with our friends from South Korea Water Partners Group. And they are big supporters of, of WEF today. And we attend each other's conferences and we work on activities. To mutually benefited your organization, so it's interesting that that seed was planted like ten years ago during your presidency.
0: It was neat. I mean, again, you know, a crisis brought us together. Uh, their focus on um, renewing their infrastructure and looking at green energy uh, created a connection point for us with South Korea. The other thing that was really neat at that time of uh, for WEF, and this was really before the um, recession hit. So this was um, this is. Uh, focus that we had back in um, 2007, uh, in 2008 was how can we be more intentional in finding organizations um, in other countries besides the United States and Canada with with common goals and needs for WEF. Now we weren't out to conquer the world. It was you know we realized we need to look differently on how we can address the war crisis that we face, but also globally. I think um, that intentional focus outside our Borders brought diversity to WEF. and you know, as we continue to build on that, much like you said, we we've um, we've strengthened our relationships. I think that you know, not only with with South Korea, but with uh, Singapore and our partners also in in parts of um, the Middle East, but also in in Europe, is continued to bring a value of diversity that we need today. Um, we always need to ask ourselves you know as an organization um do we have the diversity that we desire and that we need um and then who will propel us forward in our thinking and um and then how again can we we work to uh, build the common goals and needs to deal with the water issues across the globe so that was that was pretty neat i guess another example um uh, of the water uh, uh, that's facing the water sector today and even then was the workforce challenges. You know, it's hard to believe. We were talking about these the same issues today that uh, face us uh, 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, um, that's amazing. These things that you're bringing up yeah. are the, the same things 10 years later.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it, at that point in time, um, workforce just actually became a focus. Um, you know, we moved from the hard infrastructure of pipes and pumps and facilities to people. And um, and that's and that is equally important. And we're finding, especially today, you think about where technology is moving us um, in our ability to treat water and to uh, to improve the environment. That is a little hard stuff, but it's mostly people. And so how are we going to bring the right workforce, um, have the right capacity, uh, especially with uh, technology advancing in all sectors, not just the water sector? Um, how are we going to uh, continue to bring the right talent to the table? Attract that in an industry that you know is not so sexy, and um, and we also realize that you know most of our uh, members are you know in their mid fifties, uh, maybe even pushing sixty, and um, at some point we're going to stop working, hopefully, and enjoy a little <laughs> retirement. But um, but it, it's neat that you know that that transition um, again for WEF's leadership started back in two thousand when we realized. We have to worry not only about, like I said, the plants, the pipes, and the pumps, but um, how do we start looking at the people thing, uh, aspect and needs that we have for um, moving forward? And diversity is certainly a part of that.
1: Yes. It, it's, it's interesting, as you said, 10 years later, we're, we're focusing on some of the, the things same things, but how important it was that, that you and the board planted those seeds, because things don't always happen overnight, okay? It takes time to, to grow some of these things. And, uh, you're talking about the workforce, which was definitely, uh, in my term on the board. Workforce is uh, such an important thing because that's silver tsunami. As you talk about this, it, it this facing hitting us in the face here now. Uh, it's, you were aware of it back then. It's coming into view now. The economic uh, crisis that, that you were dealing with, uh, green infrastructure, climate change, uh, and, and diversity, recognition of the necessity for diversity, uh, not just because it's a nicety to check boxes, but because the necessity of diversity and diversity of of thought and perspective in order to solve problems, in order to solve the problems of today and to make sure that we are reaching the people that need it, that we're not only reaching a, a small uh, a subset of that, uh, uh, of the people that we serve. So it seems like you're taking um, a, a, some really challenging things but you're trying to find positive ways to put those into to use in a positive way. So maybe talk about the positive side, if there's a positive side of COVID, uh, what's what we're facing right now. Actually,
0: I know this sounds weird, but um after we um we kind of got beyond the shock of COVID, you know, the disruption of COVID, um I think it was rather exciting. I, I think it's exciting because um it opens your eyes for different possibilities. You've got to do, you've got to live differently, you've got to do things differently. And I was so proud to uh, see the response of WEF, you know, in the facing, oh my gosh, we're not gonna be able to meet in person. You know, that's what we do. We educate at conferences. We like to get together on a state level, on a regional level, on a national level, share ideas. And we were forced to do that differently because you know what? The education still has to happen. People are still cleaning water every day. And so um, WEF really stepped back. The leadership did an amazing job, I thought. And staff um, of saying how can we do WebTech differently? In that the fact that they can, you know, and this happened. Think about this: we shut down in March, WebTech was in October, and during that time they built a platform for us still to meet virtually. That is just amazing.
1: It, and it was, um,
0: yeah, I'm it, sorry.
1: No, no, I just it's just a few a few months, and the staff and the volunteers just it, it was a huckering task to pull that off. Exactly,
0: and and you know, and today now look at the possibilities we have. You know, we we now can reach people in training and um in interactions that we didn't we didn't even think about this time last year. You know, if we were to look, reflect back to a year ago, I mean, I think we were getting ready to go to the utility management conference and have a great time in San Diego. Uh, no, in um, Anaheim.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, next thing you know, we're like, okay, we're going to have to meet virtually, and we're going to. Um, have an exhibit hall that's virtual and, you know, we're not canceling Weftech. we're going to do it differently. And so um, truly the resiliency that that demonstrated, and I think the financial footing um, and the decisions made, um, you know, 10, 20 years ago were very important uh, to lead us to that. And I also think that um, we leveraged technology the best that we could. And what an example that is to our members. So um, kudos for that. Um, but this exciting. It was like, okay, I know this is tough, but this is a great outcome.
1: Uh, yeah. If, again, as, as you were saying, from adversity comes creativity. And we have with this new WebTech Connect, we're going to see what WebTech is going to be like in the future. Um, and we have a, a different a whole group, new group of people able to see WebTech through WebTech Connect than was able in the past because travel was no longer an issue. Uh, just throwing out one statistic. 60% of the Weftech Connect attendees were first-timers, when it's typically around 30% were first-timers at a Weftech. Uh, and there were people from 10 new countries that were not represented recently. So that's really a great way of making lemons, uh, lemonade out of lemons. So we've now been talking about encountering hardships and looking at different examples of of how to, as I said, make lemonade out of lemons, of finding opportunities and, and, and hardships. And you were giving examples of your success stories. Um, there's a nice saying that I like, the Vietnamese monk Thich Nhat Han. he said, if we believe that tomorrow will be better, we can bear a hardship today. So if you could just in a very few uh, tips, main tips for our listeners, how would you advise them to respond to hardship?
0: Wow. That's a, that's a great, great question, Tom. Um, you know, I think, uh, first of all, um, you've got to, you've got to look beyond yourself. And, uh, like I said early, or I mean, life is about adversity. We're going to, we're going to have to face it. And so when you find yourself, uh, feeling frustrated, you know, you kind of have to ask yourself, um, where are you as an individual? Yeah, like uh, Tom Hanks said in the movie, A League of Their Own, there's no crying in baseball. Well, you know, there's no crying in what we have to do every day. And then if you see yourself as a leader, um, which I I think that, um, you know, people aspire to and hope that they can be good leaders, there's also no crying in leadership. Uh, We're going to be faced with tough times. And that's reality. And that's what we signed up for. So, you know, when we find ourselves in those situations, I've always found that it's always good to um, to surround yourself with good people. And if you're not surrounded by them, then go find them, because um, you can certainly learn uh, from others. But also um, you can learn at all levels of people that you have working with you and know when it's time to take um, what someone's given you to make a decision. In other words, I've been. Uh, I've been around people that, you know, they talk about the paralysis of analysis. You know, they get they get lots of information, but they won't make a decision. And so I think that, you know, if you see yourself and you want to see yourself in a leadership role, you've got to learn to make a decision. you got to decide and act. And then once you make that decision, you got to own that decision. You know, I, I think about the decision of um, moving WEF Tech to a virtual platform. We, ha- we had to make a decision. You know, WEF had to make a decision. They own that decision. Was it perfect? No, but you know what? It was moving in the right direction. I think that oftentimes, if we can realize it's not going to be perfect, but you just got to keep moving forward. You learn from what you've done, and then you continue to uh, to uh, to to learn from um, your mistakes, but also with the mindset that you're going to move forward. And um, so, I think you know, COVID again is a great example uh, of that as well. Uh, The health experts and Local leaders had to act quickly. They needed the knowledge in order to act. But, you know, there's never enough information to make the perfect decision. They had to make decisions based on the information they had. You know, do you wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? Do you let people hang out in groups greater than 10? You know, what does that really mean? Was it perfect? No. But they moved forward and, and tried to do the best they could to protect the communities that they served. And so I think again, it's a, a another example of what do you do when you're facing adversity. And then I think, it, 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 thirdly, um, you know, when when you're faced with hardship, whatever you do, uh, you need to you need to have integrity, and um, and you need to be honest with uh, with what you're trying to do. You need to let people know that if you're if you're um, focused on them, if you're trying to help them, you're really trying to do that. in in their best interest, but also with what you can bring to the table. So, um, so I think, you know, when I think about uh, what integrity is, it's all about knowing yourself, knowing what you believe in. Like I said, I believe every day I wake up for a reason and, um, and I've got, you know, opportunities that are in front of me and I just need to know how I'm supposed to respond to those opportunities. So knowing that, then I can continue to move forward. And the and I guess the last thing I guess I could share is um, is realize that we have to sometimes quit talking and we just need to listen, mm-hmm. and we need to not only listen with our ears but our eyes, our hearts, and um, and take that in. You know, in in, in or any situation with an attitude of I'm going to learn something from this, and how you learn is you listen, and so um, finding a way to be a good listener and then um, taking what you listen. Uh, what you've listened and what you've learned and applying that moving forward is, you know, is just, um, is I think the key to, uh, to doing good things and to, and to really being the people that we're, we're called to be.
1: So you've given us some very memorable things uh, to ponder, as you always do. You always have some great stories to tell and very memorable stories. It's been tremendous having you on the podcast.
0: Well, thank you, Tom. This has uh, certainly been a lot of fun. And, um, Hey, y'all come on down and visit us in South Carolina sometime. And you know, Tom, you're an awesome, awesome interviewer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank you. And I, I'm going to take you up on your invitation and I'll be knocking on your door in South Carolina someday. Great. This has been Take It From The Top with your host, Tom Kunitz, asking you to keep listening to We's Words on Water podcasts and to our next episode of Take It From The Top. Until next time, be positive and stay negative
0: words on water.